Welcome to the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, joined by just our tech producer, Keys, after Matt and Lando were stricken by the bronchitis bug this week. But the show must go on, and college football stops for no man. So we go in-depth on the new college football playoff rankings, the Week 11 results from last weekend, and I tell a wonderful story about me and Matt's visit to Oxford, Mississippi last weekend. We end the show with our classic pour one out, cut them off, locks of the week, and our picks from the top games of week 12. Hope you guys enjoy. So wait, you want to you wanna tell everybody about your first visit to Oxford in the Grove? Yeah, so let me start off by saying the Grove is the best place to tailgate in college football. And I'll include Athens in that too. As much as I love the University of Georgia, as much as I love Athens, the Grove is a different animal. So we get there Friday night. You know, we're, we're pulling in. And to me, I'm like, you know, we're getting there kind of late after work, whatever. You know, maybe we'll go check out the downtown scene. Uh, Oxford has covers that everybody you go to. It's between like seventy and a hundred dollars to get into bars down there. It's it's Are you serious. Yeah, it's like Statesboro, but imagine trying to go to Blue Room, but it's one hundred twenty five dollars to get in, just <laughs> to get in. And the drinks aren't cheap either. I mean, they're they're not like Nashville, but they're they're not two or three dollars or a dollar. It's you're going in and paying like five or six bucks a drink. That's pretty normal. But we got lucky, so um, we ended up having a guy come with us who used to work for United Rentals. He actually went to Georgia Southern too. His name's Rob Pennington. Look him up on Spotify if you guys like to listen to country music. He's a great country music artist. He writes a lot of songs for some really good country music artists. And it turned out that he had a buddy named Jordan Rowe. You guys might have heard of him too. He was playing at the Lyric in downtown Oxford, and he got us backstage passes to go and hang out with the band. Um, it was him and Jameson Rogers, who has a song with Luke Combs called Cold Beard Calling My Name. I, I, that was the only song I've heard by him, but man, he was really good. So we ended up going over there. We didn't have time for dinner, so we got Chicken on a Stick, which is like a famous uh, <laughs> kind of a wanky little Oxford place. I mean, it's a, it's a gas station. It's a Chevron, but you walk in there and they have chicken fingers literally like put onto a stick. And that's what we had. Like, literally, we each had one chicken on a stick for dinner. That's all we ate. Um, and then we walked into the Lyric. We had uh, a couple of Miller Lights sitting there waiting on us. We drank for free the entire night. Uh, we could kind of go, come and go from backstage to the main area. Got to see the entire performance. Uh, Jordan came back afterwards and actually hung out with us and uh, signed some hats for us. And he actually he told me we were, we were going to sing together at Wannabes once we were back in Nashville, but I, I doubt that'll ever happen. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, man, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we ended up going to a bar called Roosters afterwards, too. And I think their cover was 80 bucks, but we ended up getting in for 20 because um, we knew some guys that were working there or people people that we were with knew some people that were working there. Uh, so Friday night was awesome. And then, of course, Saturday, wake up. Matt, who is on the podcast today due to bronchitis, uh, he woke up at 7 a.m. and went to college game day and just went and walked around. He was at the Grove early, drinking and hanging out with some old students and stuff. I was like, dude, you are nuts. We were out till 3 a.m. the night before. Like, I, I was not doing that. But he did it, and we ended up – we hung out in the hotel room till probably about 11. And around 11.30, we got an Uber down to the Square, which is like their downtown area with all the bars. 
and uh, everything was packed. We tried to go to this famous place called, uh, what's it called? Baru, I think it's called. Baru or Baloo or something like that. Um, so we couldn't get into there. It was a three hour wait. There was five other places we tried to go to. All of them were two or three hour waits. Ended up going to Moe's Barbecue. Uh, I had a great time. <laughs> they had a little bar in there. We sat and waited in line for probably about an hour, but we kept going back and forth getting Miller Lite. So. A lot of Miller Lite this weekend. I don't know. I don't even like Miller Lite that much. It just ended up working out that that was the beer of choice for everybody, and I just kind of went along with it, and I was feeling it. So, I uh, had a lot of Miller Lights. Uh, we, so, we ate there. We met some Texas A&M fans and got along with them and hung out with them for a little bit. And then we went to the Grove, and when we walked up to the Grove, I, I kid you not, I feel like I was walking into the mecca of college football tailgating. It was just it was tense unreal. everywhere. Like, yeah, well, and, and to me, I'm like, okay, like people always say the Grove is awesome. I feel like everybody says that about every college football town. Like LSU, I said was awesome. It it's was, awesome. but like, yeah, like everything's awesome. LSU is awesome. Georgia Southern's awesome if you go there. Georgia's awesome. You know, Tennessee, I've told you there, that's awesome. Clemson was awesome. So I'm like, okay, it's probably the same as everything else. It is not at all. You come in there and you don't realize this, but it's like every other college town. If they had one central location to tailgate, yeah, I was about so to say, everybody's just all in the there? same vicinity. Yeah, it, imagine Sweetheart Circle at Georgia Southern. If the whole middle field was filled with tents, and there was like one walkway right in the middle, so there's a walkway and it's kind of windy, and it's really not a big area either. You can walk around, and there's all these different themed tents. There's, like, softball athletic tent, like, baseball athletic tent. You got the zebra tent, which is, like, a, a tent with all zebra stuff in it. You got, like, a, I'm trying to remember another one. There's the Colonel Reb tent, which is, like, the mascot. Everything has, like, the Ole Miss mascot on it. And it was awesome, too, because this isn't, like, a college town that goes crazy, like, throwing beer at each other and getting into fights. Like, LSU, like, you, you saw some pretty crazy stuff. Here, it's a bunch of, like, good old families, like, hanging out, drinking beer. People were drunk, but it wasn't, like, sloppy drunk. It was, like, everybody was just having a good time. Everybody hangs out with everybody. Like, you can go into anyone's cooler and grab a beer if you want to. Man, it, it was just awesome. We got to see the Walk of Champions is what they call it. It's kind of like the dog walk keys uh, for UGA. But uh, it, it was something else. The game experience going into the game wasn't as fun as going to a bigger school. Um, it kind of felt like it felt like being at the Vanderbilt game that I went to if the Vanderbilt game was packed with fans and not completely <laughs> empty like when I went. I mean, when I went to the Vanderbilt game, there was no one there. What about it was like small, like what wasn't as grand as like it just was small. I mean, it'd be, it's it's like it's it's like Paulson. It's probably I'm trying to think of how many people fit in the Ole Miss stadium. It's way bigger than Paulson, but. Well, yeah. I, did I have, have I ever showed you Vanderbilt Field or Stadium? Have, yes. have we driven yeah, I've been there, there a few times. I've been there a few times. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not big, but it's, it's a decent size. It's sixty four thousand. It was completely packed, Ole Miss. Like, I mean, we, the game we were at was Ole Miss Texas A and M was a top fifteen matchup, so everybody was there. College game day was there. Uh, who was it? Was it Lana Lana Del Rey or somebody? I don't think it was Lana Del Rey, but uh, Lauren Daigle might have been who it was. Was outside on a stage performing going in, like going into the game. We like saw her out there singing and we were like, what, what in the world's going on here? Um, but it was a great time. We had a really good crew with us. Thank God Matt was there. Matt has been to a couple Ole Miss games. So he kind of got to show us around a little bit while I was there. Um, I'm sure he could add more to the story if he wasn't out with bronchitis and I'm sure he's taking care of his kids as well. But 
It's also his anniversary today. When we rescheduled to, to record today, he didn't even mention it was going to be his his anniversary. I know, and he was all about going until he got bronchitis too. <laughs> that was what did it for him, the bronchitis. Yeah, it's, see, that's funny. But Oxford, yeah, I mean, Oxford's a great time. I think Oxford is now my favorite college town besides Athens, um, and I don't really think it's close. What was your previous second favorite? Either Tuscaloosa or Knoxville. It's probably Tuscaloosa, to be honest. Obviously, well, number one and number two are Athens and Statesboro, but it's because I grew up a Georgia fan. I've been to Athens a hundred times, and I went to Georgia Southern, and I love Statesboro, Georgia. Statesboro, Georgia is awesome. I don't think I'd ever live there for years on end, but for college, oh my gosh, it was, it was incredible. So you went, you went to that game. How much did you pay attention to the to the rest of college football this week while you're out having a blast? Uh, more than you would think. So I mean, in the Grove, everyone has TVs, so you actually have an opportunity to sit there and watch games. Uh, and like I said, like we didn't go till later, and it was on Central Time, so the game started at eleven. And the Georgia game started at two thirty, and like the two and the three thirty game started at two thirty when we were there. So I got to watch pretty much the entire Oklahoma Baylor game. Uh, I kind of missed the end, but at that point, it, it it was mostly over. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't pretty. No, it wasn't. I know if Lando were here and he's out today, uh, yeah, no, that wasn't pretty. Oklahoma once again has just looked very very uh, inconsistent this year. Every year, every week they have. Either their offense is playing really well or their defense is playing really well. And this week, honestly, it was neither. I think their defense probably outplayed their offense, but they looked about as bad as you could look for a team that's in the top 10 um, against this Baylor team. And Baylor actually has a really good team. Dave Aranda's done a great job with them. Um, He's a guy, I don't know if y'all pay attention to the coaching carousel that's going on right now with all these different colleges firing their head coaches. Virginia Tech just got added to that list and Washington this week. Um, so Dave Aranda is a guy that I think a lot of people are going to be going after, but Oklahoma, man, they, they just don't seem to have it. So with all the coaching changes, just kind of touch on this real quick with all the coaching changes going on this week. Um, do you think Georgia Southern then did a good thing by doing it as early as they did going to play Hilton? Oh yeah. I said that in the group message earlier this week too. Um, after Virginia tech fired, uh, Justin Fuente going and getting Clay Hilton before all this other mayhem started happening was huge for Georgia Southern. I don't really know if I think Helton would have ended up with a job like Washington or Florida State, but the fact that he doesn't even have the opportunity to interview, I mean, he kind of does, I guess, but the fact that he's already settled into Statesboro, he's, he's already had his whole press conference and everything, I think he's already bought into kind of changing the culture at Georgia Southern, changing the offense. Um, it seems like him and Benko have a really good relationship, which is Georgia Southern's AD. And so, yeah, I, I think it was absolutely massive for Georgia Southern. That was really like the first real coaching news this year. I can't remember if Ed Ogeron was before or after that, but that didn't really matter. But in terms of like actually hiring anybody, that was like the first real hire for this this uh, this year. That was the first hire. I don't think I've actually heard of another uh, team firing their coach and hiring somebody in the middle of the regular season. I know. LSU's fired their coach. Uh, USC fired Helton around the same time that Georgia Southern fired Lunsford. And uh, what's really funny, too, is that Georgia Southern fired Lunsford, and everyone was like, why'd you do that? In the middle of the season, like the team's going to quit on the new coach, whatever, because everybody loved Lunsford. Lunsford was great. Uh, even though he wasn't maybe the best coach, he was a good recruiter. 
He was a fan favorite. Uh, obviously, we had him on the show uh, earlier this summer to talk about this season. And, I mean, he's one of the greatest guys we've ever met in our lives, in my opinion, or at least for me. I can speak uh, but, on that, too. Yeah, and, I mean, he's a great dude. And, I mean, personally, I was, like, not super happy with the fact that we we fired him in, what was it, week three, week four? Early. <laughs> Yeah, it was really early in the season. I was like, at least wait till the end of the year. But um, I think you, you've seen it pay dividends now. Ended up with a guy like Clay Helton. Absolutely. Well, since it's just me and you, Keys, I say let's go ahead and jump into the mailbag, see what some other people are, are talking about this year. All right, our first question is from at Ryan Zinsmeyer, and he asks, why does the Oregon versus Ohio State game mean anything when the Michigan State versus Michigan game does not? Honestly, I don't know. Like, I've been thinking that the past two weeks. Um, obviously, if right after we did our show last week, we had the rankings come out because they came out at 9 p.m. Eastern time, which is absurd. But they ranked Michigan over Michigan State literally two weeks after Michigan State beat Michigan in a head-to-head matchup. Uh, in my opinion, I think this was really just done to get people talking about the rankings. Obviously, it doesn't really matter that much because Ohio State still has to play both of these teams. I also think what they were trying to do is show that if it came down to it at the end of the year to Ohio State and Oregon, one loss Ohio State, one loss Oregon, both conference champions, Oregon having that head-to-head win, they were showing that they don't care as much about head-to-head just in case Oregon was going to make it over Ohio State. And I don't think they want that to happen. And honestly, it shouldn't either because I think Ohio State's a better team. But I do think head-to-head should matter more than it is. I think that Michigan State should obviously be ranked ahead of Michigan until Michigan State loses another game and Michigan continues to win. Um, I think Michigan's a better team. I think Michigan should have won that game. If I was power ranking them, I'd have Michigan ranked ahead of Michigan State. But because of that head-to-head matchup, I think that needs to hold more uh, prowess than it's actually holding, um, in my opinion. I think also with with this matchup with Oregon and Ohio State, you're going to have to, I think, pay a little bit more attention to how you rank them now. Um, considering that they're actually in the playoff spots. Uh, whereas with Michigan and Michigan State, you know, they're a couple spots back. You get a little bit more room to play with because there's still a couple more weeks. Yeah, that could be true. And I mean, honestly, if you look at the rankings through the years, when it comes to anywhere outside of the top four, they kind of just throw teams together. There's never really been a science to it. I mean, if you look at the rest of the ranking kind of towards the back end, there's not a science to that either. I mean, you have... Penn State's a four-loss team, and uh, or I mean, if you look at last week, Penn State was a three-loss team, and they weren't even ranked. And then you had Auburn, who Penn State beat, ranked at number seventeen, and you don't have Penn State ranked anywhere. And then they went and lost to Michigan, so obviously they're not going to be ranked either. And now Auburn's not even ranked either, so it doesn't really matter that much. But it's just like the the committee likes to be all over the place. They's all, they've always been that way, which is why a lot of people want to see these. Conference championship play-in games, want to see the expanded uh, playoffs so you don't just have random people who probably aren't even watching the games just deciding who's going to be in the playoff or not. And even though it doesn't matter, it, it is a little bit frustrating. Our next question is from Kenna underscore Grace underscore Darden underscore. And she asks, do y'all think Georgia will end up in the Orange Bowl? So this question, I'm sure this is coming from the ESPN Bowl projections because right now they would project Georgia to play Ohio State number one versus number four in the Orange Bowl in Miami. I think if Georgia wins out and is number one, then yes, 100% will play in the Orange Bowl. 
I think whether it's Georgia or Alabama at number one, which I think as of now, that's that's how it's going to be. Whoever wins that SEC championship game is going to be the number one team, unless Alabama drops a game to Arkansas or Auburn going to uh, on their way to the SEC championship to play Georgia, which I don't see happening. Whoever wins that game will be in the Orange Bowl. And right now, I think it's hard to say that Georgia is going to lose a game. Um, even in that SEC championship against Alabama, as good as Alabama looked against New Mexico State, Georgia has been a better team all year. And obviously, you know, Nick Saban's always had the upper hand on Kirby since Kirby started at Georgia, all the way back to that 2017 national championship. Um, but I think Georgia has a really good chance this year. Obviously, completely off topic, but I. I would say yes. I'm going to say yes. I think Georgia ends up in the Orange Bowl. Well, we're on Georgia because we didn't mention them earlier. I mean, they they came out and they it looked a little bit testy as I, as I was nervous about against Tennessee, but they really power through, which has been what they've done all year, is even if they kind of struggle in the beginning, they're the stronger team for four quarters. And they really proved that against Tennessee. After about the first 15 minutes of the game, there was really no question at all. No, and I was sitting there in, in the Grove drinking beer and watching the game, and at first I was a little stressed out. I actually sat down in front of one of the TVs in a chair and uh, actually paid attention for a while. Tennessee was up for longer than I would have liked for them to be up in that game. Uh, but once it got to halftime and Georgia was up 24-10, to 10, I kind of was like, we got it. Game over. I'm not worried about it. Defense isn't going to give up points like they have before. Um, where they let teams come back, like they let Alabama come back uh, in the 2017 National Championship, 2018 SEC Championship. Completely so. different defense. Yeah, <laughs> then this defense is a lot stronger. And I don't think I don't think there's an offense uh, in the country that can really score points on Georgia's defense like um, like the offenses in 2018 were able to, or 2017 for that matter. So Georgia, as of right now. I think Georgia is in the playoff regardless of if they lose to Alabama um, or if they win because the rest of Georgia's schedule is Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. Like it's, They'd have to try to lose those. They're not going to lose those games. There's no way. Unless the first two or three starting teams get hurt or all get COVID or something. And you got to put in like the walk-on fourth strings. To come and play. And even then, I mean, I think it's I think it'd be a tough win for Georgia Tech or Charleston Southern. So um Georgia's in the playoff. The only thing left to see is is Georgia gonna be number one or are they gonna be probably number two or three? Because they're not gonna have Georgia and Alabama play two times in a row. Our next question is from Chad S underscore five two nine. He asks, Is Lance Leopold the guy to end the misery in Kansas based on his resume? So Chad wants to talk about Lance Leopold's resume. And for those of you that don't know, Lance Leopold has a very strong resume outside of the FBS level. He was a head football coach at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, who, for y'all that don't know, is a powerhouse in Division II football. Um, and then he he came to Buffalo in 2015, did really well there. Um, he was there until, what, to, uh, 2020, I think? And then took over in Kansas uh, after they let go of Les Miles last year. Last year was his first year during COVID. And people want to say that, that he's improving Kansas. Uh, but in my opinion, I don't really think he's doing much. I think you're seeing the effects of having Oklahoma not be as good. You're seeing the effects of Texas being really, really down. 
I mean, say what you would about Kansas. They've played well in a couple more popular games on TV, but they, they've only won two games this year. So you could say like they probably should have beaten Oklahoma in that game. But honestly, I just think Oklahoma likes to play down to their competition this year, and Kansas just kind of took advantage of that. And Chad has one more question. If chaos ensues, what team ranked 7-10 to 10 sneaks in the playoff? So for you guys that don't know the the college football playoff rankings, number seven is Michigan State, number eight is Notre Dame, number nine, Oklahoma State, and number 10 is Wake Forest. To me, Wake Forest is out. I'm not even worried about them. There's no possible chance they make the playoff. Which, say if that's fair or not, whatever. Oklahoma State, I think for the Big 12, you had to be an undefeated team to make it. I think Oklahoma losing last weekend to Baylor was the final straw on the Big 12 um, making the playoff. So to me, if you're looking at that 7-10, to 10, I think Notre Dame and Michigan State both have a very, very real chance of making the playoff. Michigan State, all they have to do is beat Ohio State, and they're in the Big Ten Championship against what is probably the winner of the worst division in college football, one of them, the Big Ten West, which is awful. I mean, Iowa was ranked number two at one point. Iowa, to me, is not even a top 30 team this year. They're not good. I think they got lucky they played some bad offenses to start the year. And their defense is fine, but they're not they're not elite or anything. Michigan State, I think, has the best chance. All they got to do is beat Ohio State. I think if Notre Dame can continue winning, which I think they will, they don't have really a tough schedule to end the year, all they got to do is have Ohio State knock off Michigan and Michigan State. That jumps them to six. If Georgia beats Alabama, that should vault Notre Dame in front of Alabama. Um, unless Alabama plays it really, really, really close. And in my opinion, they still should vault Alabama, but they might not. And you got to have either Oregon or Cincinnati lose. Because obviously they're not going to go ahead of Cincinnati with Cincinnati being undefeated and Notre Dame having one loss and that one loss being to Cincinnati. And they're not going to vault over Oregon after Oregon had that win over Ohio State. So chaos ensues. You have Oregon lose a game or Cincinnati lose a game or both lose a game. I think Notre Dame sneaks into that top four. So I'm going to say Notre Dame if we're talking seven to 10. All right, guys, we'll go ahead and get into our pour one out, cut them off segment. And I am pouring one out for the Grove. I've already talked about it a lot. I won't talk too much more about it. Best time in college football, tailgate Mecca. The Grove is incredible. Oxford, Mississippi is awesome. If my kids don't go to UGA and play football there, I hope they go to Ole Miss. It's a great time. I'd probably buy a house there if I could. And I'm going to be cutting off ESPN for their headline after the Panthers won on Sunday. Their headline read, Cam Newton leads Panthers over Cardinals. Cam Newton was 3 for 4 for 8 yards and had 14 yards rushing. P.J. Walker was the starter in that game, and nobody talked about him. P.J. Walker was a starter in the XFL before it got shut down, got picked up by the Panthers. Dude has been great when he's gotten the ball there. I, I think he's just a guy that he wasn't drafted. He wasn't. He's not getting paid a lot of money, so they don't want to throw a lot of stock into him. But this is a guy that I would love to have as my starting quarterback. Um, I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl or anything. But if we're talking just like you know rebuilding teams who are just trying to win some games and, and change the culture a little bit, P.J. Walker's a great guy to have. P.J. Walker had a great game. McCaffrey went for over 200 total yards by himself in his first game back. Nobody talked about him. Everybody was talking about Cam Newton. 
Honestly, I'm a little bit sick of Cam Newton getting so much hype, uh, considering what his career has been the past couple years after he won the MVP. So, you know what? Cam and ESPN cutting both of y'all off. Keys, you pour one out for her. You're really not going to let my pour one out then. So I'm pouring one out for Cam Newton. Oh, my um, goodness. Kind of a different reason. Um, I was just going to pour one out for him because, you know, he kind of got the boot. He got the kind boot at uh, in New England. And good for him for finally getting signed back to his old team, actually coming back in, and then actually getting to do something. His his stats weren't fantastic. You're right. But the fact that he got to score, it's kind of one of those good football stories. I'm not saying he he came back and led them to the win like ESPN would suggest. But it was cool for him to kind of come back and, and, and get back on his old team after kind of getting cut and Mac Jones kind of coming up on top of him. So that was kind of cool for Cam to get to do, so I'm pouring one out for Cam Newton for that reason, not for his performance necessarily. Uh, and I'm going to cut off Oklahoma. They were set up so well for success this year. And just between just coaching and Spencer Rattler, it's just a mess. And like you said, they can't figure out if they want to play offense or defense every week or if they want to play either one. So they've been teetering. They finally lost a game. That they've been teetering on the edge of losing the whole season, and they've been trying to hold on to their ranking spot. And unfortunately, I think they're going to just fall right off. Um, so cutting off Oklahoma. I know Lando's not going to be too happy about that. I'm sure he would like to defend their loss. Um, it, it was a good loss. I'll give him that. I mean, it was a ranked loss. And and for a team that's been struggling all year to to get wins, and they've been coming coming in and, and winning close games, it, it was kind of bound to happen. Um, but maybe next year they can kind of pull it together because they do have a lot of talent on that team. So they should, in theory, be a very good football team. Well, not, they might not be very good if Lincoln Riley decides to jump ship and go to LSU, which has been the rumor all day today. Uh, but we'll talk about that later when we have Lando back on. Uh, I'd like to hear what he has to say about that. We'll go ahead and get into our locks of the week. My lock of the week is going to be Missouri plus eight and a half over the Florida Gators. These guys have completely quit on Dan Mullen. They almost lost to Sanford last weekend. Missouri's better than Sanford. Missouri's a really bad football team. So unless Dan Mullen can figure something out and get his boys back rolling and uh, try and save his job this year, Missouri's going to cover that eight and a half spread easily. Uh, Keys, who's your lock this week? So my lock of the week is UTSA over UAB. So UTSA is going for their first Conference USA title with a win over UAB, and I think they're going to rally over that. So UAB has a pretty decent win over Tulane, who's played pretty competitively with some other teams this year. Um, and but I think US, I think UTSA is going to win though, and I, but I think it'll be close. I think they'll only win by a touchdown because UTSA hasn't been blowing teams out. They've been very close in a lot of their wins. So I think it's going to be UTSA by a touchdown, and they're going to keep the streak rolling. Nice, Keys. Well, we'll go ahead and get into our picks of the week. Keys, what games do we have on schedule for this week? All right, so our first game this week is BYU minus 20 at Georgia Southern. So Matt and Lando aren't on the podcast this week, so I'll announce their picks that they've submitted. So Matt has BYU, and Lando, as always, hail Southern, baby. Wait, who have you got this week? Yeah, I think Lando's just picking Georgia Southern to pick Georgia Southern. BYU, although I think they are highly overrated in the playoff poll, ranked at 14, they're still a good football team. They're a top 25 team this year. They're very well coached. Um, They're coming to Paulson and power of Paulson. Georgia Southern's going to play well, um, but BYU's going to win. BYU's going to cover. I think Southern keeps it to where it's not a complete beatdown, but 20 points will be an easy cover for BYU in this game. So I'm I'm taking BYU reluctantly. 
Yeah, I was supposed to be at this game. Reluctantly, I'm not going to be able to be there. I got a family Thanksgiving. But I would be really excited if I was going because apparently it's a sold-out stadium and it's going to be a pretty big deal that BYU is coming. It's the biggest team that's ever come to Paulson Stadium. So that would be a really fun game uh, if you're going to that game. And I actually think BYU is going to win, though. Obviously, Georgia Southern really is down this year. Um, so I'm not going to be like Lando and pick <laughs> uh, pick Georgia Southern this week. But BYU, I think they probably will cover that spread, to be honest. <laughs> and our next game is number three, Oregon, at number 23, Utah. Utah is a three-point favorite. Matt has Utah winning this game, but Oregon beats them in the Pac-12 championship. And Lando has a square. What is it? What is, what is he have? <laughs> No, it was supposed to be, it's the emoji, the heart. Remember he okay. did the heart as an organ? That's what it is. That's <laughs> why so he's picking organ. <laughs> Thanks, Lando. And Lando has picked a heart, which is an organ, so he's going with organ. Yep, correct. Correct. And I'm also picking the heart that is an organ. I got the Ducks. I I think they're... They're a better team. I don't think Utah's very good. I think Utah has taken advantage of a bad Pac-12, um, which I think Oregon has too. I don't think Oregon is really a top four team. Uh, but I think with their schedule this year, I think knowing that this game right here is probably going to be the hardest team they're going to have to play the rest of the season. I think they come out strong. Their defense is solid. They come out with a big win. Utah's a three-point favorite. I think that's insane to me. Uh, Oregon plus three is a second lock of the week if I had to. Um, so I'm going to take Oregon. I think Anthony Brown has a big game. Um, I do think it's close-ish, but I, I do think Oregon will win. ESPN always seems to know something we don't with these. But uh, I think Oregon is definitely going to win. So under our next game, we have SMU at number five, Cincinnati. And Cincinnati is an 11.5 point favorite. Matt has Cincinnati. They're playing at home, so he's got Cincy. And Lando has got the horses, baby. <laughs> the Mustangs. That's when you were the Mustangs. But, <laughs> but Lando's taking the horses. I get it. Lando submitted all of his picks with emojis. So, hey, that's the right way to do it. But I got Cincinnati too. I think SMU is going to cover. I do think it's going to be a close game. I'm gonna, I think it's going to be one of those that you're sitting there watching. And you're like, come on, upset. Let's see an upset. Let's see number five get knocked off. Throw Cincinnati out of the playoff. Uh, but Cincinnati at the very end is going to do something big and end up winning the game. Um, I think Cincinnati, if they win this game, the only team they have to look forward to the rest of the year is going to be Houston. And I think Cincinnati should knock off both of these teams. I think they know now um, this is what they got to do to make the playoff. They know that they can make the playoff considering what the rest of the slate's going to be like for the next couple weeks until we get to that point. So I got, I got Cincy. I think they win by four. So SMU comparatively, they've done pretty well against the team's Cincinnati has struggled with. Uh, they respectively wiped the floor with Tulane, and they beat teams like Navy in a similar fashion to Cincinnati. So I think Cincinnati pulls it out because they realize they need to win these games if they want to prove people wrong and if they want to get into the playoff, if, if they want there to be a chance for them to get in. Uh, so I think Cincinnati is going to win, but it's going to be by touchdown because they've also been one of those teams this year that's been winning, but they've been winning a little bit too close for comfort. Our next matchup is... Number 21, Arkansas, at number two, Alabama. Alabama is a 21-point favorite. Matt chose Bama, and he said he thinks it's closer than he wants it to be. It's typical Matt. He doesn't think Bama's going to win. No. So Bama's going to win for Matt, and Lando says roll tide. Who you got in this game? Hey, typical Matt, but I actually agree with him. Alabama, 
is going to win the game. Um, I don't really think it's going to be that close, but I do think Arkansas keeps it within 21. I think it's a 20-point game or right at that 21 mark. Arkansas is a good football team. Alabama, Matt keeps saying it, and he's right. Alabama is not the Alabama of old, Um, even though I think Alabama is deservedly the number two team in the country, and I think they still have a good chance to win the national championship. They aren't what they were last year. They aren't what they were the year before. They don't have a Mac Jones. They don't have a Tua. Bryce Young is a stud, great Heisman candidate. Um, he might even win it this year. And they and they have a really good offense, really good defense. The coaching isn't there as it usually is. The coordinators aren't really up to snuff for Nick Saban the way that he usually has his coordinators going. So I think that they keep it close, but I do think Alabama is going to win the game. Oh, don't tell me Coach Saban's boot camp for coaches is down a little bit this year. No, nah, well, Bill O'Brien, I'm sure, will be a head coach next year, regardless of how good his offense is. Yeah, I think uh, I think Alabama definitely wins. I think it's by at least 14. Next up, we have number 10, Wake Forest at Clemson. And Clemson is a four-point favorite. Matt thinks Clemson's going to win, and Lando thinks Wake's going to roll. Who do you think, Whit? I think if you would have told me that Wake Forest would be ranked number 10 and Clemson would not be ranked at home when they played Wake Forest this year, I would say that you're an idiot. You're absolutely insane. The fact that Wake Forest is in the top 10 is a massive accomplishment, even with Clemson being down this year. I think Wake Forest should win this game. They're a better team. Their offense is very, very good. Sam Hartman honestly should be getting more consideration for the Heisman. Uh, Dave Clawson has been unbelievable as head coach for Wake Forest. Probably should win coach of the year. Uh, But I think Clemson's going to win this game. I think Clemson's going to surprise some people. They've been playing a little bit better as of the last two weeks. People aren't really paying attention to them anymore, so they don't see what's going on. The offense isn't what it should be. The defense is still really strong, even with the losses they've had, um, with guys like Brian Brzee being out with an ACL injury. Minus four, I don't love. I think it's going to be very close. Uh, But I'm going to say Clemson winning cover. I think it's going to be a five-point game. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think that Clemson, you know, they're playing Wake Forest. They kind of have to show up to prove that they can beat this team because there's no reason that Wake Forest should be at the top of the conference, uh, in all honesty. Uh, they're playing at home. I think that Clemson definitely covers that spread. I think that Clemson comes out on top. We're moving on to Iowa State at number 13, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is a four-point favorite. Matt thinks that Oklahoma is going to take it. Lando, Oklahoma fan here, not so sure. He thinks Iowa State because Lincoln Riley is not that good. I'm censoring there. That's not the word <laughs> he used. That's the censored version. We'll roll with that, but I think Oklahoma's going to win this game. Oklahoma's not going to lose to Baylor and Iowa State in back-to-back weeks. Um, I think Lincoln Riley, with all the rumors going on about LSU, I think he's going to bring the team in. They get a game at home against a really not good Iowa State team. Uh, everybody was expecting for them to kind of turn it around in November, but... I don't think they have. They haven't really looked good. I expected this to be a top five, top ten matchup this year, and Iowa State has completely not been that at all. Not even close. They've been terrible, actually. So I think Oklahoma's going to win. It's going to be a really close game, but I do think they cover. I think this is another five-point game. I don't know. I think I, I think Iowa State wins this one. I think Oklahoma didn't really have any momentum to begin with, and coming off that loss, I think they're just going to be done. I think Iowa State's going to win. I, I do think it'll be close, but this is going to be one of those close games for Oklahoma that Iowa State wins. So I'll say it's, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think about five points, but in the other direction. And moving on to our final game of the week, this is the College Game Day Game of the Week. 
We have number seven, Michigan State, at number four, Ohio State. Ohio State is a 19-point favorite. Matt chooses Ohio State, who will win close, and Lando thinks Michigan State will win. Who do you got, Wit? So I have Ohio State, but I'm with Matt. I think it is going to be close. I would not be surprised if Michigan State won this game. I'm pretty sure that this is the highest spread for a top five match, or sorry, a top 10 matchup that I've ever seen. I mean, a 19 point favorite is just absolutely absurd. Um, Michigan State's a good team. People don't give Michigan State a lot of credit because they've had a lot of close games in the Big Ten, but they've had a lot of close games because they play really good defense and they run the ball really well, um, which is kind of what Georgia does. Georgia's just a little bit more talented than Michigan State, which is why they're putting up these. Uh, bigger blowout type scores but usually if you watch these georgia games it's very slow to start off and it's because good defense running the ball you run the clock out really quick so you don't have a lot of time to score um michigan state's the same way kenneth walker in my opinion is the best player in the entire country i think he has a field day against his ohio state defense i think ohio state's defense is weak i think they are not that good this year they've looked good against bad teams uh, but when they go up against a decent offense, I don't think they're going to get it done. Kenneth Walker has a big day. They keep it within 19. Ohio State wins the game, though. Yeah, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than a 19-point spread. Um, I think, uh, like you said, Kenneth Walker coming in, I think he has a good game as well. I think they keep it within a touchdown, honestly. I hope this is a really good matchup. Uh, I think Ohio State wins, though. Um, I just think they're a better team than Michigan State. So I've got Ohio State by, we'll go nine points on this. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our channel on Spotify and give us a follow on our Instagram at Around the Keg and our Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show. And we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.